0: teaches them he prays for them and with them in John chapter 17 and it's kind of his last he'll see them again but it's his last chance of having a big chunk of preparing them before he goes away John chapter 16 and verse 20 very truly I tell you you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices You will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. And in this chapter, in chapter 17, Jesus uses that word, the world, around about 19 times. Let me give you some examples. He says, peace I give to you, but I don't give as the world gives. I came from my Father to the world, and I'm leaving the world to go back to my Father. He says, if the world hates you, it actually hated me first. And if you belong to the world, you would love it as your own, but you don't belong to the world. In fact, you've been chosen out of the world. It's why the world hates you. Jesus prays, don't take them, the disciples, the believers, don't take them out the world, but protect them. Because he says, we're not of the world, but we're placed in the world. So Jesus uses this phrase, the world, a lot of times. Reading the rest of verse 20 and up to 2021, I think it is. Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby's born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. Childbirth, if you're a parent, guy or girl, childbirth's an amazing thing. For nine months, you've been seeing a tummy grow, but a life form inside. It's, it's a miracle if you're a parent. I've got three kids. For me, it is absolutely astounding how a single cell can develop into a little person. It's just phenomenal. When Candice gave birth to our first child, Ethan, who's now nine and a half. Ethan loved being in the womb. In fact, he didn't want to come out. He thought it was a great place to be. So get to 42 and a half weeks. There's no sign of Ethan arriving. And we're like, what do we do? The doctor's like, this is is really too far now. And so Candice had an induction. 13 hours of labor, no pain meds. I've There were moments where I'd never seen so much pain in my wife. It was heart-wrenching. It was painful to watch. It was was terrifying. Thank God I'm not a woman because I'm not sure I could have handled that. Eventually, emergency Caesar because Ethan did not want to come out. This was the the tenacity of our firstborn. But within a few days, all that pain had been forgotten. Why? Because we're holding the point of the pain, the pain wasn't the focus, it was this little child. And so the pain was replaced, it was dwarfed, it was eclipsed by the joy of holding our child. It's an amazing thing, this joy that floods your heart. And Jesus says, the pain that you're going to have, the grieving that you're going to have, it's actually temporary. He says this in verse 22, so with you now is your time of grief, but I'll see you again again and you will rejoice, and no one will take away your joy. Jesus is thinking down the line to eternity, where one day there's no pain, no suffering, just joy. Later on in the same passage, verse 33, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In Christ there is peace. And he carries on, in this world, dot, 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 Jesus didn't say in this world, you're gonna crush it. In this world, you're gonna own it. In this world, you've got it, you go girl. In this world, you'll always have a nice boss. He didn't say, in this world, you'll never lose your Wi-Fi connection while you're trying to watch a movie. At the best part of the movie. Doesn't it always happen like that? Gee whiz. Jesus never said, in this world, your milk will always stay fresh. (laughs) or you'll never lose your job. No, this is what he says. In this world, you will have trouble. We don't like to read that verse, eh? This is Jesus' promise to us. Who likes God's promises? This is one of Jesus' promises. In this world, you will have trouble. How many sermons have you heard on this? The Greek word there for trouble is the word flipsis. Which means trouble. <laughs> you can't change it. It doesn't. That's what Jesus is saying. It means pressure, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, tribulation, and trouble. In other words, Jesus is saying, pain, I'm promising you. All those who follow me, promising pain. Challenges are guaranteed. Call now, and there'll be more. <laughs> Our struggles are inevitable. Suffering in this life, Jesus says, it will happen. Full stop. Welcome to Hope City Church, where you can feel good about yourself. But but seriously, some of you this morning are facing tremendous challenges. You're in a difficult season. Maybe you feel like you've been left out, you've been overlooked, you've been rejected. You're all alone. Maybe you've lost your confidence or you're battling depression. You're anxious. You're worrying about the future. Maybe you've received some bad news recently or there's financial difficulties that are on the horizon. Maybe there's health challenges or some relationship in your world's in a shambles. Jesus says, in this life, you'll have trouble. Maybe the pressure feels unbearable. There's more work at work than is humanly possible. Maybe you're afraid or hurting or overwhelmed. Maybe you think that no one understands. Maybe you're thinking today, where is God? Jesus promises in this life you will have trouble. So here's the first point. Now trust it's good news that troubles and trials and hardships, they prove our faith. In other words, they show that our faith is genuine, that it it's, there's a depth to our faith. We're going to read some verses in 1 Peter in a moment. But Peter, the apostle, he writes to believers in Jerusalem, in Rome, under around about AD 60, under the Emperor Nero, who was ruling over the Roman Empire. And you can go and read the atrocious things that Nero did to Christians to persecute them and to make them suffer. Give you two terrible examples. He would take a newly killed animal, take the skin off the animal, and sew it onto a Christian, and then feed them to hungry dogs. Dogs would rip them apart. He would cover them in wax, put them in his garden at night, and light them. And they would be screaming in pain these human candles to his dinner party with his guests. That's what he would do. And so Peter writes these words in 1 Peter chapter 1. He says, So be truly glad. There's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials show that your faith is genuine. In other words, the the faith or the trial, the trouble, the hardship, the difficulty, it shows it proves that our faith is real. It's genuine. And if Peter's speaking about a genuine faith, there must also be a counterfeit faith, a faith that isn't real, that isn't deep, that isn't true. I don't know if you've met people that when difficult things happen, suddenly they disappear. They end up going away from God instead of going towards God. They leave the church. They stop serving God. They abandon their faith you met people like that? Maybe you have. I can remember one lady in the church we were in some years ago. Her and her husband were in our life group, and we could see that there was the call of God on their lives. And so we were encouraging them to step up, to take hold of God, to step out in faith, to step up to the plate, and, and to be counted for God. And they were, they were, there was some keenness and excitement on their part. But on her part, she said, every time in the past, I've wanted to do something for Jesus. Something bad's happened. Every time I've taken a step forward, something has happened that's terrible, that's tragic. In fact, the one time her dad died, and I don't know why or how, I don't know the circumstances, but in her mind, she's holding on to this lie that when she wants to do something and press into God, something terrible will happen. So they stayed in the back, in the back, not the back row. There's nothing wrong with the back row. <laughs> they stayed in the shadows. They never wanted to get more involved. Because of this fear, something bad would happen. Jesus told a parable about that. And it's the parable of, of the seeds and the sower. And the sower is God. And he's going out sowing seeds everywhere. And he sows seeds on, the, on a path, right, where it's impossible to grow anything. But what happens there is the birds of the air, he says, steal the seed away. And then he sows seed onto rocky ground. And the the seeds germinate, they spring up quickly, but because the ground's rocky, the roots aren't very deep. And it says when weeds grow up, or when persecution comes, rather, where trials come, because the roots aren't deep, they wither and die. The sun comes out, it's a picture of difficult times the plants die. Other seed he sows onto thorny ground where weeds grow up alongside. And he says the worries and cares of this life choke out these plants and they end up dying. We know the fourth type of soil. He sows seed onto good soil that yields a massive harvest. But what happens, friends, when our root isn't deep and when trouble comes, we wilt under the difficult season What happens when we're living our lives and the weeds and the cares and the worries, the anxieties choke out God's life? It's very easy to abandon our faith when things get difficult. What happens when God doesn't do when what you want him to do? He's God. He, he shouldn't do what we want him to do. But what happens if something doesn't work out the way you are hoping or expecting? Often our hope is in the result, in the outcome, rather than in God. And when that happens, we become disillusioned with God or with our faith or with the church. Some people battle with migraines incessantly. They think God doesn't love them. Maybe you failed an exam and you think, well, God's not real. Doesn't God know everything? Even the questions that I'm going to be asked? Surely, God, you can help me, and then they fail. God doesn't love me. It's their conclusion. Perhaps a loved one dies of cancer. Well, actually, I can't trust God. He's not good. You see, that person died. We can get disillusioned because our hope is in the outcome and not in God himself. I think that trials, difficulties, hardships, actually draw us closer to God. I've found in many of my darkest moments that's when I've been closest to God, because I, he's all I've had to rely on. Second point I want to make this morning is that these trials and hardships, they prepare you for your purpose. They grow you, they strengthen us, they mature you and actually helps you with what God has. I not if you noticed, but ease and comfort don't make us stronger. Ease and comfort, convenience, don't grow us in our faith. Have you noticed that? When life is easy, when things are smooth, we don't grow as we should. They don't make us stronger. Unlike me, if you go to the gym, you should get stronger. The reason you go to the gym is to get fitter, to get in shape, to get healthier, but to get stronger, to grow your muscles, right? So you can tell I don't go to the gym. Some of you do, I'm grateful. But the way that your muscles get stronger and bigger is how? By lifting bigger and bigger weights. You need to give some resistance, and in fact, the, the bodybuilders say, the heavier the weights, what actually happens in your muscles, they tear, There's these small tears. You eat more protein as you're doing your workouts, and those proteins go and repair where the muscles have torn, yeah? And so your muscles get bigger. The greater the resistance, the greater the hardship you apply to your muscles, the better they grow. Shaking your head, it's not fun to tear your muscles, eh? <laughs> but you've got to put them under pressure. You've got to stretch them and grow them and have harder and heavier weights the more you go back, otherwise they don't grow, yeah? Yeah? Now, when you're talking about hardships and trials growing us, I'm not talking about the dumb decisions we make that have consequences, right? We are humans. We just make stupid decisions sometimes. We don't think about and we just make a decision and there are consequences. Sometimes our sinful choices have consequences. We can't really consider those in the same category as trials and hardships that Peter's talking about, Right? It's a a different category. There's a distinction between our sinful choices that have consequences, and God is so gracious. When He repent, when we come back to Him, He can make something of them, right? He can. But I'm talking about the trials that we have just because we're human and we're following Christ, not talking about this morning our stupidity, our bad choices, or our sinful choices. Listen to what James says in James chapter 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces something. There's a result. Someone once said, a faith that has been tested is a faith that can be trusted. Have you ever been on a hike and you've walked across like one of those rope bridges, or you've seen like a a wooden bridge over like a little river or something, and you check, hey, this doesn't look like it was built recently. (laughs) In fact, it looks like it might be rotting in places. You kind of, you go and you stand on it, but you hold on or you hold on to someone else or the tree, and you test it. You make sure you're not going to fall through. And in fact, if you're hiking with a group, you send the biggest person forward first. Because if it can take that person's weight... Actually, anyone can walk across. You test the integrity of the bridge. You test the strength, right? And so James is saying a faith that, can, that is tested it's a faith that can be trusted. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Wow. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm often lacking things in my faith. Never I'm never where I quite want to be. James says you want to lack nothing. Trials, persecutions, troubles, hardships, they make perseverance. And make sure you keep persevering, because when it's finished its work, you're gonna grow, you're gonna be mature, you're not gonna lack anything. Most of us want to pray, Lord, give me so that I lack nothing. Actually, the Bible says you've got to go through some stuff if you want to lack nothing. Could it be that God's, part of God's ways, part of God's preparation comes packaged as pain? Could it be? Think of Joseph. He became the prime minister of Egypt. He saved the nation because there was a famine, but because God had put him in power, gave him favor with Pharaoh. How did he get there? How did God prepare him? Well, his brothers hated him, tried to kill him. The one nice brother persuaded them not to kill him. Let's just fake his death so that our dad is sad because it's not fair that our dad likes him more than the rest of us. Sold into slavery, accused of rape falsely, time in jail. That was God's preparation. There was a lot of pain. Did God cause it? No. It happened. Did God use it? Yes. What about King David? How did God prepare him to defeat Goliath? Well, yours and yours as a shepherd, alone, with sheep. Have any of you spent any significant time with sheep? You know, you know they're not the best conversationalists. So. <laughs> they don't smell nice. They're like cuddly, but they bite. They've got bad breath. You can't get too close. I grew up on a farm, so I know a little bit about sheep. But he had to defend the sheep against lions and bears. By the time he got to Goliath, this is like, man, This is easy, but God prepared him in a different way. What about Peter, who would preach Acts chapter 3 in Pentecost? Thousands would be saved, thousands baptized. How did God prepare him? Well, actually, he denied Jesus three times. Pain. He realized what he'd done, but Jesus restored him. That's how God prepared him. Compliments and praise... Don't prepare us for trials, but rejection might. You might be overlooked for a promotion or fired or people are writing anonymous letters against you. Trials are not going to weaken your faith. They're going to strengthen your faith, make you stronger. Sometimes we need to give ourselves a bit of a pep talk, right? This is not pain, it's preparation, not ignoring what you're going through, not discounting what God's doing, but sometimes we get discouraged. Chat to yourself. It's not pain, it's preparing for something bigger. You weren't turned down, you were toughened up. (laughs) That offense purifying your heart. That loneliness is teaching you to rely on God more and more. That betrayal is enlarging your capacity to love and forgive, that setback might just be a set up for God to show up and show off what he's doing. You might have lots of pain, emotional or physical pain. I can tell you that pain is not without purpose. God might not have caused it, but there's a purpose in pain. And Many of us, what we want to do is pray with faith, pray with conviction and say, Lord, heal me. Lord, take this thing away. Lord, deliver me. Rescue me from this situation, whatever it is that's causing pain. That's not a wrong prayer to pray. We should pray those prayers. And sometimes God does deliver us from it. There's a miracle. God intervenes. And I love those moments because we get to share a testimony of God's goodness, of how He's answered our prayer, how He's delivered us. But God doesn't always deliver us from stuff. Sometimes he delivers us through stuff. Sometimes we have to go through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm sure David prayed when he was in that valley. Lord, rescue me. But God said, you need to walk through the valley and out the other side. Don't worry. I'll prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies. Your cup will overflow. Friends, God might do something miraculous dramatic. Praise God, we trust for more. But sometimes that's not the way he's preparing us. Sometimes he's like, "I'm going to hold your hand, and that valley's going to be dark, but wait till you get to the other side. Your faith is going to be matured. You're going to be grown." Sometimes he delivers us from stuff, but he also delivers us through stuff, and that's how he works. You might say, well, Glenn, that's easy for you to say, you've got no idea what I'm going through. I don't know what you're going through. In these verses, John 16 and 17, Jesus contrasts two things, talks about the world and what's in the world. And he says, if you're in me, there's a whole bunch of stuff that we, that we have, his peace, his joy, etc." And in the world, he says, you're going to have trouble. That's why there's divorce. That's why there's cancer. That's why there are children on drugs and child labor, why there's abuse, why there's bankruptcy, because in the world, we're going to have trouble. But he says, in me, in Christ, we have peace, we have joy. 1 John 5 tells us something else that we have in Christ. It says in verse 4, for everyone born of God overcomes the world, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world? Only the one that who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. The rest of John 16, we read earlier, it says, in the world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. But Jesus says, I've overcome the world. If you've got faith and you believe in me, you can overcome the world, And that's great victorious language, but Jesus is not saying that because I've overcome the world and you have faith in me, that it's all blue skies and plain sailing and a bed of roses. He's not saying that. He's saying that our faith is a victorious faith and you may or may not be healed of cancer and you may or may not be single for the rest of your life. But we hold on to Jesus and we have this peace and this joy because our focus is on him, not in the outcome, not in the result, not in the circumstance. Our faith is in Jesus, not on the temporary stuff. And so he says, fix your eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Because what is seen is temporary. This world is it's kind of passing away, it's fading. But what is unseen is eternal. So Paul says, set your hearts and your minds on things above where Christ is seated. Because it's the things of the kingdom that will remain, that will endure. The writer to the Hebrews says, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What does that mean? Well, everything else that's not part of God's kingdom, it's gonna be rattled, it's gonna be shaken, it's gonna be challenged, it's gonna fall apart, it's gonna be crumbled. If we're building our lives on anything but Christ and his kingdom, going to crumble. If we build our lives on a church or a good idea or a philosophy or our happiness or wealth or dot, 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 it's going to crumble because it's not the kingdom. Jesus says the only thing that can remain that will endure is my kingdom. So we're going to have bad days and hard days and more of them, but Jesus says you're going to be seated above them because you know what's coming in eternity. And if your faith is rooted in Christ and His kingdom, you're going to be building your life on something that will not shake. And you'll watch the world around you shaking, but you're going to be firm on the rock. that doesn't change. The good news isn't that Jesus saves us from our bad days. I'd love that. Trust me, I would. The good news isn't that Jesus saves us from our bad days but he saves us from our sin. And he saves us to be with him in this life because while we're going through the valley, he's with us and for the life to come. Can we bow our heads as I pray for us as we're ending? Father, we probably deep down inside know That bad days are gonna happen. Secretly, Lord, we wish they didn't happen. And Father, I pray for an unshakable faith in every one of our lives a faith that is rooted on Jesus Christ, a faith that is rooted in your word, on the unchanging nature of our God, the unshakable principles of his kingdom. Father, that when bad things happen around us or even to us, we would know we've built our life on the rock. And Father, we do wanna have times where we pray with faith and we see the power of God demonstrated supernaturally. We wanna see miracles, we wanna see healings. But Lord, let us not get disillusioned if it doesn't happen because for whatever reason. Let us know that you are with us. You're building our faith, even through the trials. In fact, trials make us stronger. Lord, help us not to be those who abandon ship the moment it gets difficult. In fact, Lord, we we come to the captain. We come to the hero of our faith when it gets difficult. Because we know, Lord, that even in the most difficult place, you are able to prepare a table before us. In the presence of our enemies, our cups can overflow despite what we're going through. This joy that you give us can be irrepressible and uncontainable and unquenchable. Rivers of living water flowing out of us. And we can have the life of God even in the valley of the shadow of death. Father, we pray for that kind of faith. Because that is what will sustain us and speak to other people about how good God is. Father, I pray that we would not get worried. We would expect trials. But Father, we would be looking to Jesus as our rescuer in this life and the life to come. Father, thank you that you don't just ignore us and leave us alone on planet Earth. You've given us your Holy Spirit to walk with us every single day. Father, I want to remind us of the word that Laney spoke during worship, that there is a throne, a powerful throne, an awesome throne. And many of us might fear God, fear judgment, fear the wrath of God possibly. We don't believe that he's good, that he's kind. Father, your throne is only fearful to your enemies, but to your children, Lord, you are good. And I pray, Lord, this morning, we would know your goodness and your kindness in all things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. Trust God's spoken to you in some way. And uh, have a great week. See you in life group during the week. And if you want to join Michael for the outreach next Saturday, he's here. You can chat to him afterwards. Uh, Otherwise, have an amazing week, everyone. Cheers your promised messiah Angels lady your song.